Welcome to There's a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs and have been in business since 1994. The purpose of the Method to the Madness is to explain what the real deal is, what works, and why things may not work, but the key word is why. What is the method to the madness? Why do some things work? Why do some things not work, so to say? Why are sometimes people doing the wrong things? Because they're following other people that are trying to accomplish certain things, and they're trying to apply those same types of exercises to themselves when they don't even know why those people might be training. So, we have to know why we do things when we choose to do things if we want to get the most out of our health and fitness routine. So let me thank Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 280 five-star reviews on Zillow. If you're looking to sell your house or if you're looking to buy a house, give them a shout. 386-451-2412. All right. So Everybody is different. That's one of the things that I learned as a early on in my personal training, I should say, that we can't treat everybody the same way because everybody is very different. They have different motivations. They have different motivation styles. They have different levels of motivation different goals and they are different in their personalities and they're different in their learning styles. So I want to talk a little bit today about kinesthetics. It's something that I really don't think I've spoken on in this podcast or in the emails or blogs or anything like that. But it is so important because everybody is so different when we train them. All right. So Kinesthetic. What does that word mean? It means the ability to know what is going on in your body or feel it. Now, this is very important and it's important for personal trainers and coaches to understand too because everybody is different. So when I did a quick little Google search, the, uh, I wanted to kind of come up with what is the antithesis of kinesthetic? What, what is the opposite style? And the only way that this search was showing this was more in learning styles, which is essentially the same thing, but not completely because it's not always about learning. It's like how we take in our environment, how we take in ourselves? How are we reading the room around us? How are we with our own awareness level? So it's not just about learning, but it's the closest that I could find to be the opposite. And what most of the results came up being was visual. So not really auditory. So if you're not really, if you don't know what I'm talking about, learning styles wise, there's kinesthetic, there's auditory, and there is visual. And, uh, Everybody tends to know what they are. I'm more of a kinesthetic learner because I'm kind of more of a kinesthetic person, which suits me well in my profession. I think that is good. So I learn by doing, and I'm pretty good 
at knowing where I'm at. I have very good awareness. I'm like that guy in the grocery store that's hyper-vigilant, and that is really good for you if you're around me, because what that means is if I'm looking at a box of coffee or a box of cereal or whatever, I'm not going to be that guy that just rolls back into you because I think I'm the only one in the grocery store. I'm really good about my surroundings. So I always give like a little bit of a left look, a right look, and then I'll back up understanding that I've been there for a minute or so. Chances are somebody came up behind me or near me. I've always been good that way. Um, I don't know. Do, do I take credit for this? I have no idea. I mean, I am glad I'm that way, and I do wish more people had better social awareness. There's no question about that. I think probably all of you do. Uh, it'd be better on the highways. It'd be better in the stores. Uh, my God, today, you know, is I'm not sure when I'm going to release this podcast, but today is Black Friday. So I imagine it is an absolute nightmare in the stores right now. And there's probably a million people out there who are not kinesthetic in the stores or good at their kinesthetics, I should say, in the stores. And they would drive you, uh, you know, BSC, so to say, uh, because they are going to be on their phones yammering and backing into you and doing all these kind of things. So I've always had a good sense of that, which, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's why I went into the field that I went into, but... I learn by doing. So then there's people that learn visually. They have to see it. Um, there's people that learn auditory. They have to hear it. I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm really good with podcasts. I like that. And I do like listening to books. But I don't know. I mean, I guess we all have a little bit of all of that in us. And I don't necessarily know that there's a best. There may be a best for certain fields, like certain different professions you get into. I think there is a best for athletics. I think in athletics, you want to definitely be more kinesthetic, you know, learn by doing. I don't think that it's a terrible thing, though, if you're not. But I do think it is a, you know, advantage. But that's just my opinion. But getting back to us as trainers and you and us as clients. So we're all different. And I bring that up because I'll be training somebody and I can get frustrated with, um, but I have to understand this is something that I am, you know, strong at. And sometimes when we're really strong at something, we don't get why other people aren't. So we become impatient. So when I'm trying to work with somebody on things and they're not overly kinesthetic, I have to remember they're not kinesthetic. So there are like two kind of types of trainees when it comes to that. There are people that are really good at knowing where they are physically. Like they're just good at, let's take strength training first. Cause that's where it came up this morning as I was working out. Like there are people that will work out and they're really good at listening to their body. They, they just read their body really, really well. And early on in a set, if they're supposed to do say six repetitions or so, they will do the first rep and say, oh, I've got this, or I don't have this. You think, well, everybody's like that. No, that's not, that's not the case. That's the case if you're kinesthetic and you don't understand why people aren't. But there are people that will, 
like, you know, they'll do the first set and I'll think to myself, they got this. And then they can't, or I'm sorry, they'll do the first rep and I'll think they got this. And then like, they're supposed to do six and they do two. And I'm thinking, what happened? And like, they have no clue how to read it. And it's not really their fault. They just don't read their body very well. They'll think, oh, I got this. And then they don't got it. Or the opposite. Oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. And then they crank out like 15. Uh, you know, so that is one case where we see it a lot. And that's not really that big of a deal, right? I mean, we ultimately do the best we can. Uh, where it does come up, though, a little more that's maybe a little more advantageous to have is like rest between sets. So physiologically, if we're training for strength, we should be resting anywhere from two to three minutes between sets if we're training for strength. And the reason is, is because your ATP, your adenosine triphosphate, is completely regenerated within that amount of time. You're not going to be able to necessarily do more than that once your ATP is regenerated, unless it's psychological. But in other words, again, the method to the madness states why do things work. So when we're training for maximal strength, you're going to want to do a set when all your ATP has been restored. And that takes, and again, it's different with different phys, uh, physical fitness levels, but two to three minutes. So it's going to be restored. Now, if you did, if your prior set wasn't maximal, then you don't need maximal rest because you didn't maximally uh, regenerate all of your anaerobic properly uh, property. So you didn't actually utilize all of them. So you can start a little sooner than later. So that's where kinesthetics come in. Some people are very good at saying, no, I'm good. I'm ready. I'm ready to start my set. And they're dead right. Like they just know. And that's a beautiful thing to know. And some people aren't. And they might rush their sets because they're too worried about the numbers. They might be looking at their watches. They need their watches. They need that visual reassurance. And it might say, oh, I'm not at three minutes yet, or I'm not at two minutes yet, or whatever they're doing. And like they won't, they have no clue if they're ready or not. So it comes up there. Are you kinesthetic? Like, do you know how much rest you need inherently? Like the, there's certain rules regarding rest. If you're training for endurance, you want less rest than more. If you're training for strength, you want more rest than less. But there is a medium of what is best for you. And people that are kinesthetic just know. It's like, well, I want to get the most out of the set. I'm not going to rush, rush my recovery. Woo! Did I have too much pumpkin pie yesterday? Because I'm kind of putting some words together here. Uh, the answer is no. Because Mr. Kinesthetic over here forgot to eat a piece of pie. It was in the refrigerator. I literally forgot. Who does that? I do. And uh, maybe I should have. Anyway, so it's very important to be able to differentiate how much is too much rest and how much is too little. Now, as trainers, we can look at people and know too. So we're really good at going, okay, you're gassed right now. You're not ready to do this set of squats. Or... They're, you know, talking your ear off in between sets and we think, okay, clearly you've recovered. So there are cues 
that we can look at on people and know. But we also want people to know as well. Uh, if I'm training somebody who is pretty fit and I've been working with them for a while, I want to look at them and go, do you, you feel ready? You know, you ready to go? And I want a good answer. And the good answer is the right answer, like yes or no. And the only way they know is if they really know. And some people know and some people are absolutely clueless. Now, this really comes up more though with cardio. It becomes more important with cardio. There have been study after study that have looked at heart rate variability, training zones, and all those things, those external, external signs and symptoms that we all tend to use for cardiorespiratory intensity. And one of them is a classic study that's been replicated through the years. And what they did was they took a bunch of subjects and they trained them on RPE, rate of perceived exertion, and how things should feel. And then they hooked them up to target heart rate monitors and EKGs and things like that. And what they did was after a certain amount of time, they said, so where are you? Like, are you moderate? How do you feel moderate? And then the moderate heart rates, you know, were, I don't know for sure, but they were probably between, I'm guessing, 70 and 80% of their heart rate or heart rate reserve, somewhere in there. But in all of the studies they found within reason that people were able to pretty much nail where they were. So we would call this kinesthetic types. They were able to say, oh, yeah, I'm moderate. Yeah, I'm, I'm moderate. And then their heart rates were exactly in that range of moderate. So study after study have shown that people can, if trained, gauge where they really are. Again, I think I do that very well. I don't, I don't think this is bragging. I, th I think I'm just this way. I don't think there's a right or a wrong way. I think we do have to understand ourselves, though, so we get the most out of ourselves. I could be riding along, and I mostly cycle for cardio. I could be riding along on the bike and ask myself, so where am I right now? You know, I feel, I feel comfortable. Like, I don't feel like I'm going hard. I don't feel like I'm going easy. I feel like I'm in a very good moderate cardio zone. Like that is my, that is anybody's classic cardio zone where you're around 70, 75, 80% in that moderate range. I mean, that's where we're like, should be most of the time. And I'll be right. I'll be like, yeah, that's where I am. I'll look down. I'll be like 128, 132, somewhere in there. Yep. Nailed it. You know, yep. Yep. Got it. You know, and I'm just, I can guess that really well you know, based on how I feel. If I start like um, pushing it for intervals or something like that, or I'm finishing up a ride strong, or I'm riding with people and I'm, you know, we're racing or whatever you want to call it. But there's times when you really push, I could be going hard and I know my breathing is fairly labored and I'll be like, man, I guarantee I'm over 150. Like I'm, I'm pushing, I'm in my, you know, 90%, I'm in my red zone or getting close. And I'll look down 152, 154. I mean, I'm good at really figuring that out. But I'm also good at knowing like my paces and speed too. I could be running along and somebody might say, hey, what do you think you're running right now? Oh, about a nine minute mile or, or whatever. Or walking. What do you think you're walking? Ah, it feels like a 16, 16 and a half or 
on my bike, you know, how fast are we going right now? Uh, you know, 17, 18 or 14, 15, whatever. I'm good at knowing speeds. And so I'm just real kinesthetically aware. So the take home message for this, because we listen to the method to the madness, hopefully, so we can get better physically is number one, determine what you are. I don't think say, try to change it. Maybe definitely become more aware. I try to help people with that. I do little drills where they're not allowed to look at their watches. They're not allowed to look at their GPSs and they have to kind of determine and then look at it and match it because we don't always want to rely on those things. Like we want to rely on intrinsic variables very often. Like we want to be able to have more intrinsic metrics, I do believe, to get better. I'm not saying you're going to go from being a complete visual person into kinesthetic. Like some people cannot run races without their smartwatches. And I, and I wonder, well, how the hell did you do it 20 years ago? I mean, you know, I can remember the days and actually those days were so much more enjoyable when you get down to it. But like you knew you had a three mile loop in your neighborhood and you just went and ran it. You know, maybe you timed it, but oftentimes you just knew you had to do three miles. And it was so freeing to just know you're just listening to your body. You're going to go with what feels right that day. I mean, that is so important to be able to do. And I do think people who get injured more are less kinesthetic because they don't listen to their body. They're listening to the slave on their wrist a lot of times. Like sometimes it might say, I've got to run this, but their body's fatigued. And so those two things don't match up with each other. It's supposed to be an easy run, but it doesn't feel easy because of the fact that they're overtrained or whatever. So I do think that learning to be more kinesthetic, learning to listen to our body is very, very important. You know, it's funny. Runners are a very interesting breed. Like there is so much ego in running. And when I talk about ego, I'm talking about it in the real sense of the word of what ego is, which isn't confidence. It's a lot of validation needing, a lot of proving. And I don't mean to throw runners under the bus because every group has every group. Like every group has every group. Golfers are going to have more people that need more validation and then, you know, some that don't. You know, triathletes, bodybuilders, strength training, whatever. Pickleball. Oh, my God. The new sport of pickleball. Same thing. So, there's a lot of trying to prove yourselves to other people or trying to become a member of a group, right? And that is also an ego proposition. And I just see that with runners so much. Like they will refuse to run anything slower than a nine minute mile because to them, that's not a real runner or something. Okay, so that is such a visual slash ego proposition versus a kinesthetic person who might understand that, okay, I raced yesterday. I want to run today, but the logical thing to do is do a very comfortable run today. You know, listen to my body and run a good aerobic run, just nice and comfortable, but they won't do it. They have to have their gadgets and go to a certain pace. Well, those people probably aren't going to run most of their lives like they may want to because they're going to get injured. So like there's a huge blessing 
to, and I suppose that's the right word, but to be able to learn to be more kinesthetic and be like, I need to listen to my body. Like I know a lot of elite cyclists who are really good at that. They say, I'm going out for an easy spin. And they may or may not use all their gadgets, but they'll just cruise. They'll just spin their legs out. They'll just go for a nice easy ride and get in some exercise and let their muscles heal, let their joints heal. Um, so there are people that do it, but there are people that do it better than others. And I just think learning to be more kinesthetic, although remember my warning when I first started this podcast, that for the most part, we are what we are. Some people cannot run without their watches. Well, they can, of course, but what I mean is they won't be their best when they race, if they're in a competition or whatever. Some people race better without their gadgets because those gadgets to them are nothing more than a distraction. You know, I know a few people like that. And of course, I read about different types all the time, but I like to throw in personal stories because that matters. You know, you can read about it all you want, but you have to be able to know people. And I can think of people right now in my head that are like, oh yeah, they race far better if they leave their watch at home. They go by how they feel. Like they have no idea when they get to like let's say they're doing a 5K and they get to the first mile because somebody's standing there with a watch or whatever, they'll go, oh, okay. Uh, but they don't need it. it. They're not going slower because of it. They're not going faster. They just know their body and they don't want the distractions on their wrists. They don't want to lose focus of what's important to them, which is m managing their breathing, managing their gait, managing their stride length, stride rate, um, their gaze, I mean, whatever. Maybe they just want to meditate for the time that they're running the 5K. So they run better without it. So we're, we're different. You're not going to change it. But I do think if you are not kinesthetic at all, you want to make steps to make yourself more kinesthetic. How do we do that? So ask yourself, how do I feel right now? This is supposed to be an easy run. Does this feel easy? Ask yourself that. And then ask yourself, so... What's my heart rate right now? Or what's my pace? Before you look, ask yourself that. Then look, were you close? Practice learning. Don't, you know, don't just always rely on it. Ask yourself, where am I at before you look? You will get better at learning how to do it. Okay? I think it's important. I hope you find it to be important. And I hope you find that this helps. Thank you, Overhead Door of Daytona Beach, for providing the best garage doors and the best garage service in our area of Volusia County. And Overhead Door is nationwide, but we happen to have our branch here owned by Jeff and Zach Hawk, and I personally vouch for them. Give them a shout at OverheadDoorDaytona.com.